words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Dear Jesus, we give you thanks. We worship you. We bless your name. There's no power like your power. There's no impact like your impact. There's no voice like yours. In heaven and earth, you deserve all the credit, all the glory, all the power belongs to you. We worship you this morning. We come in the abiding of this morning, oh God, and we speak your glory and your power over us, oh God. So Lord, we pressing into you and pressing into your word that you're speaking over us this hour. We are your offspring. We are the very forebears of your life and we yield ourselves to you today. We declare that as we tabernacle today, let your glory fill our world. Let your power be tasted by all who believe in you. We yield this moments to you and we look into your word. We ask that your word will fill our hearts with light in Jesus' name. Good morning. This morning we're sharing on the topic, the promise of peace, the promise of peace. Peace is more felt than described. Peace, they say, is not the absence of danger, but the presence of a steady power. There was once a picture of a bird at the waterfall I think you may have seen that photo on a social media meme or something like that. There was splashing water all around, but the bird was perched quietly on a tree stem. It had peace. It wasn't that there's no danger. If that bird flew into the water, the water had the ability to kill the bird in an instant. But in that moment where the bird was nicely perched on the tree, there was peace all around it. The opposite of peace is worry, is anxiety, is depression, is darkness, is fear. The opposite of peace is not one word. It's hundreds of other terrible, terrible things. So we have where does anxiety and depression come from? Many times it's unmet expectations, failing businesses, and we worry about our career. Like in this season when many businesses are imploding, people's jobs are being asked. Like, like just a few days ago, we learned that British Airways will be laying off thousands of employees. Because this is the season when businesses are restructuring. So there is the fear that you may not have your job. We fear that our children may not turn out okay. Parents fear. How can I raise my kids? The people who are single fear. Like, am I going to be married? Will someone love me? What kind of man will I marry for the ladies? I want the ladies, the men are fearing. What kind of woman will I marry? Fear of going forward. Will people love me? Will people be in my world? Then we see what the Bible says. 
What does the Bible say about anxiety? It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, pre present your requests to the God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. That's what the Bible says. Why do we have fear? Because of the rumor of wars and revolutions. Every time you hear that on the news, Nigerians are saying, oh, it's time for a revolution. We all need to wipe out the current administration. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that before? Yes. Yeah, like we need to wipe out this whole existing. So guess what that does to you? You know an uncle, you know someone who is among the people that needs to be wiped out. <laughs> Fear enters your heart when you hear those kind of words. But much more than that, they say there are real wars going on. People are dying in their hundreds. And some Christians are being caught in the crossfire of this war. It's fear in the land. It's kidnapping. It's wickedness. I don't know that anyone in this country doesn't know someone whose parents or brother, even as a community in the church, we've had someone kidnapped. Do you understand? The brother of one of our members was kidnapped. This fear of war and revolutions is real. Then the word of God tells us in Matthew 24, verse 6, you will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world systems is destined to happen but it won't be the end yet. It will still be unfolding. Can you imagine God was telling us like, you're going to have trouble. Everything's going to fall apart. The world is going to be broken about, but you don't fear. <laughs> That's crazy, God. <laughs> what if I die? Why shouldn't I fear? Do you understand? God is saying, oh, the world is going to have more trouble. But you don't fear. That means that COVID-19 is not the end. That means that the Air India crash yesterday is not the end. That means that the leveling of Lebanon is not the end. I have some, a few more photos to show you. Look at this. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics, and famine in place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of a new age will begin. God is saying that when you see these things happening, I'm about to birth a new age. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 8. I'm about to birth a new age. When you see the earth, the tectonic plates of the earth moving, seismic events of epic proportions, when you see earthquakes and natural disasters, I'm about to birth 
a new age. It's like God is saying, the earth is convulsing, trying to give birth. It's like labor pains. So we know the reality of COVID-19. That's the, that's the funeral of Abba Kari, our, chief of, our last chief of staff. That was his body that was being lowered into the ground in the photo. We know that in Africa, children are being made into soldiers. It's a picture of marching children, just marching to war. We know also that businesses are closing. It's a picture of the EU capital in Brussels, Belgium, and many businesses across Europe, Africa, the Middle East, North America are shutting down. And this week we had Beirut, a whole city leveled to ashes by 2,700 kilotons of TNT, ammonium nitrate. It just literally broke the entire city into pieces. And everybody is angry. Nobody knows whether it's Hezbollah. Nobody knows whether it's one of the 18 different political parties or the factions that is tearing apart the nation. But all of them point a finger at government incompetence. What does that do to your heart? Just knowing that Lagos port is not any different from Lebanon port. Just knowing that there will be people who are doing underhand things. The other day, we saw a container full of guns arrive in our ports. So sometimes we live in a fool's paradise to think like there's no reason to be afraid. There actually is a reason to fear. There actually is a reason to be scared. There actually is a reason for us to panic. That is why the word of God comes and says, do not be afraid. When God says, don't be afraid, it's because there is a reason for you to be afraid, but he doesn't want you to be. Why? He's got you. Say, he's got me. I can hear you. Say, he's got me. So many of us think that what's next is more business insolvency, more political and ideological wars, more accidents, more natural disasters, more force majeure. Many of us think that this is the beginning of the end. Maybe it is, but what God says to you is, I have given you a promise of peace. I have given you a promise of peace. Hallelujah. I've listed four types of peace here today. Number one is ignorant peace or peace in denial. Many people don't know that they are actually really in danger. You know, there's a snake lying under your chair, but you don't know. So you're sitting down chilling, right? But if you knew what was waiting for you, <laughs> do, do you understand? The moment you realize you enters is from zero to hundred in panic mode. That's ignorant or denial kind of peace. When you 
when you don't say, well, like, oh, people are saying the nation is going wrong, people are doing the wrong thing, say, no, no, I don't believe in it. No, we are not unaware of what the devil is doing. So we're not in denial kind of peace. We're not an ostrich, because many people think that Christians, oh, we're just so nice, we're just saying, oh, everybody just forget about everything. No, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying be an ostrich and bury your head in the sand. There's an animal call or a bird. Nobody knows whether that thing is an animal or a bird. It has too much power, it cannot be a bird. It behaves like a lion. This animal called the ostrich is so tall, so tall, so huge, it has a neck like a giraffe. And one, one, one big fully grown ostrich can carry two grown men and run with the speed as fast as, as a horse. That animal is crazy. But there's something about the ostrich. The ostrich, from time to time, tries to run away from danger. Guess how it runs away from danger? Uses his mouth to dig into the ground and then puts his head in the ground and covers it with sand. But guess what happens to the rest of his body? It's outside. <laughs> so once he can't see the danger with his, with his eyes, he thinks like, I'm good. <laughs> That's what it means, don't play the ostrich. That's what people mean when they say that. Don't play the ostrich. Don't play the ostrich. There's some people whose idea of peace is playing the ostrich. You are not in God. You are not in God, but you think you are safe. In these days, you are not following God. You are not serious about your faith and you think you are safe. No, you have the peace of an ostrich. You are not anchored in faith. Your Christianity is not real. Your faith towards God is not total. You are playing the ostrich. As danger hits the world, let me declare unto you that you don't have the promise of peace. The, the Bible says in the world you have tribulation. Let me not jump ahead of my message, but that's exactly what the Bible says. But in me, you will have peace. Then there is just a piece of Jonah. Jonah was sleeping through a storm. You know why? He was angry with God. God sent him on, an, on a message he didn't want to go to. So what did he do? He went to sleep. He woke up and saw a storm. Close, put a pillow and covered his ears and his eyes and said, yes, let, let me die. I don't want to do this thing God wants me to do. Let me just die. How many believers are like that? Sometimes. You know, sometimes we can be like that. Let me just die, Lord. Jonah was so angry with the message that God gave him to do. <laughs> that he was sleeping when there were storms. Are you sleeping when there's storm? That's called the peace of Jonah. There's also the, something called quiet peace. You come to a place when there is no trouble at all. You have money in the bank. You have food on your table. You have kids. You have a husband who loves you. 
You have a beautiful job. And you can sing, it's a beautiful day. Hey, hey, it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful time. Ah, ah, it's a wonderful time. There was once a man in the Bible who was so rich and abundantly supplied. He had remnants of gold, remnants of, of purple, and he had tinkles of, of gold. He had a barn full of food. And he said, relax, my soul. You don't even have to work next year. Everything is good. And the Bible said that that man, that night, God said to him, I need your soul. The Bible called him the fool, the man who didn't prepare. Sometimes what we are looking for is quiet peace. But God never gives us quiet peace. The peace that God gives us is peace in the storm. Say peace in the storm. I can't hear you. Those of you at home, scream it out. Say peace in the storm. The stock market is falling, but you have peace. Your business is falling, but you have peace. Your bank account is going down, but you have peace. The world is in turmoil, but you have peace. There are challenges all around, but you have peace. There's a brokenness everywhere, but you have peace. There's a challenge coming, but you have peace. Why? Because you know the Lord who controls the heavens and the earth. You know that the master is in your boat. And the disciples came to Jesus and said to him, Master, the tempest is raging and the elements are all awoke. Carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus woke up and said, Peace be still. Peace be still. He's the master of the oceans. When he is in your, ocean, when he is in your boat, you can have peace in the storm. Say amen. I speak the peace that comes from the presence of God upon your hearts today. I speak the peace that flows out of the heart of God into your spirit man today. I speak a knowing of the Lord that brings a man to a place of quiet calm. I speak that which brings someone to a quiet, brave endurance of circumstance. I speak that which gives you peace even when your body is broken, even when the natural is being removed and everything is falling apart around you. I speak a, a peace into your soul that is unreal, that is natural, that is supernatural. I speak that peace into your world today in the name of Jesus Christ. For you to know that your life is hidden in Christ and God. There's a man called Jeremiah and God asked him to buy a plot of land. At this time he had prophesied to the kings that they were going to go on exile for 70 years. They were so mad at him that they threw him in prison. And he, he was going to die in this prison where they threw him. Meanwhile, he had prophesied that the, that the king of Babylon is going to come and sack Israel and wipe them out and take all of them slaves into Babylon. But they didn't like that prophecy. You know how we don't like some prophets when they come and tell us 
anything apart from God bless you, God bless you. All the other prophets are told the king, seven years, we're going to be back soon. But Jeremiah stood his ground and said to them, 70 years. When he says, when you go there, buy lands, marry wife, give birth to children, plant vineyards, you're not coming back soon from this slavery. Nobody liked him. The people, the people were angry. Like, why can't God give us a good word? Do you know how people who have departed from God always like to think like God will always be for them even though they've turned their back on Him? It's not like God doesn't have grace, but there comes a time when grace actually does run out. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. What does that mean? There's a time when you will look for Him and you won't find Him. There is. I know this is not popular because everybody who is talking about grace always says abundant grace. Yeah, grace is abundant. But if, if grace is not forever, the Bible says the cup of the Amorites were full. What does that mean? It means that they reached the level where <laughs> no return. The Bible says in the fullness of time. What does that mean? There comes a time when everything is complete. Don't overrun your grace. The grace of God is long, is wide, is endless, but don't overrun it. Don't take it for granted. Hallelujah. So Jeremiah was in prison at this time. And God asked him, Jeremiah, go and buy a plot of land and have the contract for the sale of this land signed. It was while he was in prison that he, and then we'll read this in Jeremiah 36 where the story is. But let's read verse 16 to 17. After I have given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I pray to the Lord, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We know we say there is nothing too hard for God. We say this, but we don't know that the man who wrote it was in prison. And he wasn't praying that God would bring him out of prison. Guess what he was praying for? The future generation that will come back. He knew that in his own time, he was going to die in prison. Saying, God, nothing is too hard for you. Always remember your people. This land I have bought, I keep it ahead. I bought this land and I keep it ahead. I heard that in 1947, when the nation of Israel was coming back to be a nation, the Arabs contested that Israelis don't have any space in that land. But this title document that Jeremiah did, archaeologists found it because he put it in a pot and hid it and he died in prison. But this title deed was what they used to give Israel back their land in 1947-1948. A word God gave before Christ, thousands of years before Christ, saved the nation. <laughs> Do you know God is eternal? He's not just thinking about now. God is not just thinking about today. What he wants you to be part of is total. So if you only think about your current enjoyment, your current comfort, you will miss the whole timelessness of God's peace. So at this time of war is the time for you to begin new things. 
In this time of trouble, it's the time for you to what? Start a new business. In this time of war, it's, for, it's the time for you to marry a new wife, to marry a husband. In this time of crisis, it's the time for you to get a new job. In this time of brokenness, it's the time for you to start again. Why? Because we live in war. In war, we have peace. The peace of God surrounds. And the, the beauty that God is going to give us from ashes will come from our work in the midst of darkness. The Bible says, God has his way in the storm. God has his way in the storm. That means that even if storms surround your life, God has his way. He's working in the darkness of the storm. Say amen. amen. And here's the promise. If you can read it, read it out wherever you are. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. One more time. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. My peace I give to you is the peace that the world cannot give. Is the peace that the world cannot understand. Peace to know, peace to be. My peace I give to you. My joy I give to you is a joy that the world cannot give. It's a joy that the world cannot understand. Joy to know, joy to be, my joy I give unto you you have the promise of peace and in the middle of the storms your heart will be stayed in God and in the middle of trouble he will keep you and protect you and defend you he will journey with you and everyone who connects to him he will lead you he will lead you on to where you're supposed to be in life see I have the promise of peace Put your hands in your chest and say, I have the promise of peace. I have the promise of peace. I have the promise of certainty in storm. I have the promise of calmness and boisterous winds. I have the promise of peace. Hallelujah. And rounding up, why do we have peace? We have peace because God reigns. If God reigns, then it means he knows the end from the beginning. If God reigns, then it means that he knows every tragedy that's going to happen before it happens. 
If God reigns, then it means that our lives are in his hands. And Psalm 2, verse 46, it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds his enemies in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Why does God know that he reigns? He says, do you know what God is saying? You are my kings. I'm going to plant you on my holy mountain of Zion. Though the whole world turns against me, you are mine. You connect to my heart. You connect to my agenda. You become my executioner on the holy mountain of Zion. And that's why I can laugh. Do you know that God thinks like we can do it? That God believes like we can do it. So that's why he laughs. He laughs because he has a people. God has so much faith in us. That we are his people that will not snitch. That will not bend. That will not give up. That will not tire out. That will not peter out. That we will continue resiliently on. That we will continue with incredible power. That we will continue to pursue the race that is marked out for us. That we will continue to execute the kingdom of God on the earth. That's why we have peace. Because we are connected to the king of kings. That connection of being kings on God's holy hill guarantees us. If you're a soldier in an, an army and there's a war going on, they're shooting bullets at you. What's the safest thing to do? You have bullets, you're loaded, you have grenades. You're ready. You're a soldier. War is coming against you and that's why you are there. What's the safest thing for you to do? The safest thing to you to do to survive from there is what? attack do you know many believers are soldiers equipped with the word of God powerful by the spirit of God made ready gone through a long journey to arrive where they arrived at but there is bullets coming against them and guess what they are doing turning their backs to run away <laughs> you are equipped for this day You are equipped to have peace in the middle of that. You are equipped to have inner pluck. You are equipped to have strength. You are equipped to have what? Character. You are equipped to have power. Why does God declare peace? Why does God declare peace in the midst of war? Number one reason. He declares peace to build a kingdom. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 says, In those days, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall not be destroyed. It shall break in pieces and consume all other kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Do you know God has a mind to raise a people who will have inner peace in them in the midst of war? And what they build will be a, a new kingdom, a brand new territory, a brand new place where God dwells. So as the shaking is happening to the world, the shaking is not supposed to happen to you. 
The shaking is not supposed to happen to you. You are supposed to be what? Building a kingdom in the midst of war. What are you supposed to be doing? Let's say it together. Building a kingdom in the midst of war. One more time. Building a kingdom in the midst of war. Their will be shaken in the whole world. Men's heart will fail them. But that's a preparation for the harvest. And God begins to call his soldiers out and said, You, my soldiers, come and build for me a kingdom in the midst of this hour. In the midst of fear, you are building a kingdom. In the midst of brokenness, you are building a kingdom. In the midst of failing economies, you are building a kingdom. In the midst of dying, you are building life. You are building the grace of God. You are building resilience on the inside of you. You are building inner block. You are building character. You are building many people and drawing the lost to the real rock. Believe me, this time everybody knows that everything else has become sinking sand. There's only one thing that will sustain men in this time and the things that will sustain men is the life of God. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. So I speak to you. Why does God permit war? Is to bring about a people of peace who in a time of war will be building a new kingdom. God permits, God permits for the devil to walk. God permits for men and brokenness to happen. God permits natural disasters to go. God permits everything that happens in the world to happen. But then he's not doing it to destroy. He's doing it to raise a remnant. He's doing it to birth a new kingdom. And Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 said, In those days the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall not be destroyed. The people of God and the kingdom they build will consume the strategies of hell, will destroy the plans of the devil. That's why God brings us here. Number two reason. God wants to remove the shame. God wants to remove the shame in Joel chapter 2 verse 19. After talking about the prophetic grace coming. After talking about the prophetic grace and saying I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Then he says then the wilderness will become a fruitful place. Then the, he says a dry place will come alive. When I am bringing a rising in the spirit of men. It's because I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Do you know what an object of scorn is? A nation which nobody respects. How many of you know Nigeria is an object of scorn in many nations in the world today? They call Nigeria, write an email from Nigeria. They say, oh, no, no, no. Nigerian email, you, 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 you pay with a credit card from Nigeria. They say, oh, no, no, Nigeria credit card. You, you do stuff from Nigeria. It's like an object of condemnations of the world. Mockers in South Africa, they are burning our people in China. They're discriminating against us. In, in the UK, they're repatriating us. In Belgium, they're sending us back. In Indonesia, they're keeping, keeping us, killing our people on death row. In Saudi Arabia, they're mocking us. In the United States, they're making us. Everywhere around the world, we become an object of scorn. How does God declare his peace upon us that the remnant people will emerge and those people he will satisfy with new wine and oil as the shaking hits the earth. God will raise a people who will connect to him and they will see his peace. And in the middle of distress, God will bring about a grace to remove the shame. Why does God declare peace? To remove the shame. Why does God declare peace? To remove the shame and the scorn and the disgrace. 
in the shakings of the world, God will set up new nations. May this be our opportunity in Jesus' name. The next thing why shakings happen is a travail to birth. Before anything is born, it is born in pain. Before any new child is brought forth, the mother comes to a point of futility. The mother comes to a point when she has fully exhausted her natural, natural abilities. I was there when every one of my four daughters was born. And I could, we all always did the breathing exercises. And they say, breathing, just breathing, just help your wife to breathe. So I hold my wife's leg and say, she say, who? Ah, say hoo-ha. at that time extreme pain is shooting down into her brain when I see how much pain she was in and one of the deliveries my face I didn't realize my face was full of fear and they say breathe hoo-ha. breathe hoo-ha. you know how I was breathing I was hoo-ha, 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 hoo-ha. <laughs> and my wife said please get out <laughs> Who is the one in labor? Is he your home? <laughs> the bad pangs are for giving birth. I've never seen anyone giving birth who is relaxed reading city people. Do you understand? Or which other ones do people read today? There's no more paper magazines. You're giving birth. Scrolling through Instagram. Oh, I don't like this scarf. What kind of scarf is this? I told the story once. Of, at that time I was just young. Just an undergrad. So the last time when our, our mates started to give birth for the first time. So I went to see a friend of mine in the hospital who happens to also be my computer. I was training in computer center and she happens to be my student. So she was pregnant and then she gave birth. So I went to the hospital to see her. So I went to the maternity ward in this hospital and, they said, and I said to them, I want to see so so and so patient. They said, no, you can't see her. She's in the labor ward. I'm like, do you hear the word? The word is actually what? Labor ward. Labor is not play. She's in the labor ward. So I said, why can't I go in? I said, and they said, no, visitors are not allowed. And I went aside, tore a post-it note from my, from my book and wrote a note for her. I gave to the nurse, please, can you give the nurse to her? She said to her, like, the nurse fell down and laughed. I said, oh, God, where are you from? Do you think that the woman in labor has time to read your notes? I didn't know. that when you're in labor, you can't read notes. You can't read anything, nothing. Your whole body, from head to toe, wired in pain. Pain. Do you know this woman's body carrying this baby for 90, how many days? Nine months. Over 100, over almost 200 days. And her body, her body begins to expand. Her feet becomes fat. Her tummy begins to stick out. Sometimes they don't see their toes anymore. Some, their nose. Some get rashes. 
So you see a black ring around their neck. You see a line image on the, on the lower part of their belly. Big tank in front of them. They walk like this. Then they come to the point of birthing. The labor starts slowly. First of all, the pain comes once every two hours. Then it comes every one hour. It comes every 30 minutes. By the time it's coming every 10, 15, 15 minutes, uh, you're near. Then the doctors will check whether the cervix is dilated. Sorry, I am experienced. <laughs> time when the woman brings birth it's a time of total pain in the last shaking breath she pushes and out emerges a new being the first time my first daughter came out I cannot forget that image it's still etched in my mind her head melted like water. I thought she was dead. And her head started coming out first. Tender, malleable. Her head just dropped in somebody's hand. They just pulled her up like a spirogyra. That's crazy. That's how people give birth. Do you know that it's in absolute pain? When you see travails, what does that mean? Something is about to be born. When you see pain, what does that mean? Something is about to be born. When you see tragedy, what does that mean? Something is about to be born. When you see pestilence, what does that mean? An old order is dying and a new order is being birthed. When the earth gets into birth pangs, what does that mean? God is about to turn around tragedy into new life. And those of us who have this hope in Him, in us, purify ourselves and get ready for the move of God. He gave us the promise of peace. He said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world through hundreds of prophets and ordinary men he inspired in the exodus the burning furnace behind the walls of jericho out in the flaming desert waters flowed he made a promise to reach all flesh to cover the earth with his glory and to send us the holy spirit to live and walk in us all he was the will in ezekiel the promise to all flesh in joel in the womb the beating heart spoke the one nailed on the cross and soon to return as king the bible is the revelation of the cross and the work of the Spirit. Jesus is our peace. Say, He is my peace. And He gave us the promise of Himself. He said, as the world turns, as troubles fill the earth, as problems increase, I am your peace. I am your peace. Have peace in the storm. Rise up above anxiety. Defeat depression. Defeat that mindset that tells you that everything is going bad. 
defeat sorrow defeat it because you are aligned to the prince of peace he is your peace what God wants to do this day is to build a government in closing God's idea is to bring peace in storms once again I close with what I opened with peace is not the absence of danger peace is the presence of the Lord peace is not the absence of danger peace is the presence of the Lord let's repeat that Peace is not the absence of danger. Peace is the presence of the Lord. One more time. Peace is not the absence of danger. Peace is the presence of the Lord. I speak peace over your world. I speak peace in the storm. As people die on the left and on the right, you will not be moved by sudden fear. As evil befall the earth, you will not be moved by the fear that binds the heart of people. I speak peace over your heart. <laughs> I speak peace over your heart. Stay in God. Stay in the anchor. Draw men in. This is the time for you to go and make a witness. Many hearts are now ready. People's spirits are now open. People know that their confidence has been destroyed. The things people have built their lives on have fallen apart. The, the, the notions of man's safety has been destroyed. So the Bible says, in this world, you will have tribulations. But in me, you will have peace. I leave you a promise of peace. Father, I pray over someone right now whose world has been full of anxiety, whose world has been full of panic attacks, whose words have been full of fear. They don't even go out because they are so afraid of the coronavirus. I pray over someone right now in the name of Jesus. I cast out that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. And they'll step out with bold confidence because you've called them to boldness. You call them to life. You will protect them in the midst of a fiery furnace. Your partnership with them will be real. In the midst of brokenness, they will be building a kingdom. They will hear from you. They will know you. I prophesy over someone today that today is your day of the knowledge of the Lord. I speak his peace over you. Peace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.